the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a wonderful Saturday and a wonderful week. Uh, thank you so much, as always, for joining me here on another episode of Let Us Reason. Host Al Fadi. And uh, before I uh, start my main, uh, basically, topic today, which has to do with updates uh, from uh, Facebook and uh, certain um, issues that I raised recently, I just want to touch on this uh, recent incident in New York, uh, the terror attack by the um, Saifullah, uh, who is from uh, Uzbekistan, uh, who used a um, basically a pickup truck that he rented from... Uh, I believe uh, uh, Home Depot, um, but I have to double check my information. Uh, but nevertheless, I just want to say that those kind of acts, unfortunately, are extremely hard to predict or even come close to pin down uh, an event like this uh, prior, I should say, foil it prior uh, to it happening. And uh, that makes it, of course, extremely dangerous uh, for all of us, as you know, um, uh, nerve-wracking uh, for people. But it goes back to the heart of Islam as an ideology. Now, I'm not talking about the Muslim people right now. Hear me out. I'm talking about Islam, the ideology, the teaching. It goes to show that unless, unless this ideology is tackled from within, unless a high-level critique is imposed on the sources of these kind of teachings coming from both the Quranic teachings and the traditions of the Prophet of Islam, unless Islamic countries globally participate in this, unless the Islamic communities all over the world will be willing to cooperate with governments, and most importantly, unless the 90% silent majority moderate Muslims, at least that's what they call themselves, willing to participate in uh, spearheading this process or at least cooperating with governments and authorities to prevent uh, such teaching from flourishing again, eliminating it completely from their madrasas or schools, from preachings, taking it out of uh, books, reinterpreting some of the passages as is always claimed that those reinterpretations by the radicals are erroneous, which I doubt that they are erroneous. I even disagree that they are erroneous. Nevertheless, unless any of these things or all of these things collectively happen, those actions will continue to take place. And here is the other uh, bad news. Even if all of what I just mentioned will indeed take place, 
the cooperation between the silent majority of Muslims, the 90% with governments and authorities, the cooperation of Islamic countries, uh, those countries as well, especially in Europe and in North America and other places, and unless the governments in Europe, North America, and all over, all over the world will critique and criticize and uh, basically screen uh, individuals um, very uh, rigidly and screen Islamic sources very thoroughly, even if all of these things were to happen, we're still looking at least at half a generation to a generation length of transformation in terms of the mentality of the next generation Muslims. In other words, there is a group of Muslims who have already been indoctrinated into these teachings, and some of them will be convinced to still to still carry on those mandates. And those are the ones that you and I will never be able at least to predict and pinpoint, and all we can do is just uh, do the best we can and hope for the best uh, outcome as well. So I just want to bring this up as a way of precaution and as a way also of reminder. Now, I'm not going to talk about this incident today. Uh, I mean, we've covered uh, so many attacks like this, but I promise you next week I will dedicate an entire show to revisit the issue of jihad, those hardliners and indoctrination and the motivation behind all of this, giving you uh, pretext and sources that support their ideology and my own, of course, commentary and critique of all of that. So until uh, next week, um, bear with me here, I, because I don't like to do a uh, uh, basically a, um, an uninformed or at least a quick job on these kind of things. I like to give you enough information uh, to empower you, equip you, and help you understand what's going on. But at the same time, I keep reminding everybody, please, 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 Understand, not all Muslims indeed are on board with what's going on. The only problem is uh, we wonder why they're not doing anything about it yet. You know, so it's it's kind of like a, a, a you know, uh, basically a catch-22 for them. Uh, they're, they're disagreeing with these actions. I get it. I understand. But they are ineffective in basically doing anything about it. And simply because their ineffectiveness comes from the fact that they lack understanding of many of these sources, believe it or not, that these fundamentalists use. There is a a disagreement between the fundamentalists and the majority of Muslims. Fundamentalists are always been viewed as the learned ones about Islam. They're the Pharisees of Islam. They are the ones that understand what Islam teaches. They are the teachers of the law, if you wish, if I want to use this kind of terminology. But... um, Obviously, uh, my goal, um, my message is very simple. No matter what methods and tools are used, only the cross of Jesus will transform people from one camp that teaches things as jihad and killings and violent, even if these people in that camp disagreed with those kind of mentalities and teachings, it's not up to them to change it, technically speaking. It's only the cross of Christ, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit can change these people from that camp into the kingdom of light and therefore uh, bringing them a better understanding of eternal life 
and the only way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ himself, the way, the truth, and the life, uh, who stated it very clearly in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this is really the gist of my message all the time. And this is my invitation to my Muslim people. Um, staying in the Muslim camp, modernizing the Muslim camp, if that's possible, uh, eliminating any elements of violent jihad, uh, reinterpreting passages in the Quran is not going to get you to heaven no matter how hard you try. Only the cross, only the cross and only Jesus will get you there to accomplish uh, the ultimate goal for humanity and that's to reunite with a God who is a loving God, but who he is also a just God and a righteous God, a God who will judge the wicked and will reward the righteous. So this is what we need to keep our focus on. With that says, I need now to uh, go back to uh, my recent updates from Facebook. Um, about uh, a day ago, um, or so, I, I would say, I'm sorry, uh, not a day ago, this week, I should say, I'm, I'm thinking it was yesterday, but it wasn't, it was this week, actually. Um, uh, this week, I posted one more, uh, uh, you know, uh, post from my series, The Islamic Dilemma, and this one I titled, Why Jesus is Superior Even in the Quran. And here's what I meant by this. It, it was a very short post, by the way, very straightforward post. The idea here is that whenever you begin to search the Quran for any mentions of Jesus, you find some interesting things that are mentioned about Jesus that elevate his status uh, really above the status of other prophets in general and the prophet of Islam in particular. So, for instance, in chapter 2 of the Quran, verse 87, it says the following. It says, And we gave to Moses the book. So who's talking here? The God of Islam. And the God of Islam is saying, we, meaning, meaning me, Allah, gave to Moses the book. What book, by the way? The book here is in reference to the Torah, okay? And after him sent succeeding messengers, which means there came other prophets and so on and so forth. Indeed, if you look at the, New, uh, the Old Testament, you'll see that Moses was there and, and God uh, basically promised Moses in Deuteronomy 18, 18, promised him and the Jewish people because Moses was basically not going to make it to the promised land. The Lord told him he's going to die here. And the people were nervous about having other messengers. And the Lord promised that he will raise other prophets for them, just another prophet for them, just like Moses. And of course, the Jewish people were expecting, meaning that there is always going to be prophets to come to them. The Quran confirms this. The Quran says right here, and after Moses, basically, we uh, sent after him succeeding messengers. Okay? Until we get to Jesus according to this passage. So, what happened? We gave Jesus, son of Mary, the clear signs. It's kind of interesting. It doesn't just say we gave him a book. No, no, we gave him clear signs, miracles. Now, why would that be significant, for instance? Well, it shows that Jesus' status is totally different. He is not just your typical messenger. He's not just a prophet. He's more than that. He has miracles such as what? According to the Quran, for instance, those miracles include a number of things, like you go to chapter 3, verse 49 uh, of the Quran, and it tells you, and I'm going to summarize it basically, that some of these miracles included, technically speaking, that Jesus would raise people from the dead, that Jesus would give sight, uh, sight to the blind, that Jesus uh, basically will know the future, that Jesus would create things and breathe life into them, 
that Jesus will hear the mute, uh, heal the mute, that Jesus will heal the leper. I mean, there are. This is just what the Quran at least captured. I mean, you go to the Gospels, of course, and all four Gospel accounts, and you see more than just things like this. In chapter five of the Quran, verses one twelve until one fourteen, it talks about not only these miracles but also the feeding of the crowds, the five thousand and the four thousand. So the Quran actually captured many of these miraculous things that Jesus Himself has done. So, if you compare those clear signs to all the other messengers and prophets mentioned in the Quran, including the Prophet of Islam, you won't find a single thing that even comes close to that. So, here's what the verse says once again in chapter 2, verse 87. And we gave to Moses the book, and after him sent succeeding messengers, and we gave Jesus, son of Mary, the clear signs and confirmed him with the Holy Spirit. Now notice, it seemed like after the, all of these lines of prophets starting from Moses, it ended with Jesus here with the powerful signs. And on top of that, the Quran acknowledged that he was empowered and strengthened by the Holy Spirit. And in this case, it says he, com- he was confirmed, actually. Confirmed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself says that, you know, uh, if you sin against the, uh, the Son of Man, uh, this sin will be forgiven. But to sin and blaspheme, blaspheme against the Son of Man, that sin will be forgiven. But to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, he says, that's the unpardonable sin. Why? Because he has been confirmed by the Holy Spirit in a variety of ways. So, the Quran once again acknowledges and admits the theology of the Bible. In other words, if the Quran admits and acknowledges these kind of things about Jesus... I'm not so sure why a Muslim would want to also believe that after all of this, uh, after exalting Jesus and uh, elevating his status and superiority in the Quran, why would you want to believe that he's less than that anymore? Why wouldn't you go back to the gospel and read who Jesus truly is? Even the Quran acknowledged that he is the word of God, that he's the spirit of God, and many other uh, wonderful titles like the Messiah, for instance. Not just any Messiah, he is the Messiah. So, This is the gist, basically, of this post. And then I showed another passage from chapter 5 of the Quran, verse 110, where it says, When God shall say, this is a future thing, When God shall say, O Jesus, Son of Mary, remember my favor. Notice, remember my favor towards you and towards your mother. When I, who strengthened you? I strengthened you with the Holy Spirit. So who was the agent of strengthening Jesus? It says that Allah himself was the agent who strengthened Jesus with the Holy Spirit. In fact, if you look at the relationship between Allah and Jesus in the Quran, I should say, it's always that Allah himself who delivered the good news to Mary about his deliverance. Uh, he is the one who raised him up. He's the one who taught Jesus the book and the wisdom. He's the one who strengthened him by the Holy Spirit. He's the one that he caused him to die and raised him up to himself. So we see powerful imagery between the Jesus of the Quran and the God of the Quran. Technically speaking, the Quran here is trying to capture what the Bible is saying. Not that I'm endorsing that the Jesus of the Quran is the authentic Jesus, nor that I'm uh, endorsing that the God of the Quran is the authentic God. But all I'm saying is the Quran actually, there is some confusion here. It speaks of Jesus in a powerful, superior way, even more so than the Prophet of Islam, because you will never find a single verse in the Quran, basically, 
that the God of Islam told Muhammad that I will do this for you, that I will strengthen you by the Holy Spirit, that I will walk with you, that I will go in, uh, I'm going to teach you the book and the wisdom and so on and so forth, compared to how it is mentioned uh, when it comes to Jesus. You won't find a single passages in the Quran saying that clear signs were given to Muhammad. You won't find single passages that the Prophet of Islam was given any ability to do any miracles that come even close to Jesus' miracles, such as healing the blind people. In fact, Muhammad was rebuked in the Quran for turning away a blind person who came to talk to him because Muhammad was busy talking to the uh, leaders of the tribes of Quraysh and others, the wealthy people, because he wanted their support. So it's, it's quite a contrast between what Jesus did for the blind and what Muhammad did towards a blind man. So, so this is how the Quran actually uh, exhibits and reveals the superiority of Jesus. Now, I have my own theory, by the way. It seemed like the negative things in the Quran later on that were added about Jesus uh, were either a um, later editions and uh, later, basically, modifications that were made to the Quran uh, during the time between the 7th and the 9th century when there was a lot of attack against uh, Islam, a lot of polemics that are taking place. So, uh, some of the uh, writers of the Quran and the collector of the, the Quran made those adjustments, uh, added some refutations, and so on and so forth. This is my theory. I, uh, it's still a theory, by the way, because I need to definitely uh, do more research on that and uh, figure out, uh, first of all, if uh, manuscript evidence supports such theory. In other words, uh, are some of these discoveries that show the negative uh, basically, passages in the Quran were they made only in later manuscripts? Uh, do we have earlier manuscripts that have those uh, negative things uh, mentioned in them? I mean, uh, we, we need to be fair, of course, research-wise and academically speaking, but uh, this is just my theory for now. So this is one of those powerful, uh, basically, uh, issues that I wanted to raise concerning Jesus himself. Now, uh, uh, prior to that, on October 30th, I posted also uh, another one of my old series known as Questions That Demand an Answer. Uh, and uh, the title here, Does Islam, uh, uh, Does Islamic Good Deeds, I should say, Salvation Work? Does the Islamic Good Deeds Salvation Work? In other words, the Good Deeds Salvation uh, doing work, does it work, technically speaking, to save the Muslim people? Now, here is why I raise this particular question for, for a very simple reason. Uh, because Muslims are convinced that good deeds, not grace, are the only way to heaven. The Bible says it's by grace, by faith, we are saved, not by works. Okay? So this is the contrast. A Muslim thinks that good deeds and, and faith in God uh, means that God could have mercy on them and therefore allows them into heaven. So the Muslim basically uh, doesn't know his destiny until he gets to judgment day. So this is a later salvation, if you wish a post-judgment salvation. That the Bible teaches that it's a pre-judgment salvation. We have two choices. We either accept Christ now and make it to paradise or reject him and face eternal damnation. I mean, it's very simple. We are already under, basically, the wrath of God. We are condemned already. So it's not like a matter of maybe God will change his mind. No, we're condemned. It's a done deal. So the way out is now. And the way out is by hearing his voice now, responding to his calling now, accepting his grace by faith now, and be saved and guaranteed salvation by giving us the Holy Spirit who will indwell us basically 
and will be sealed according to the scripture. So this is why I raised this flag. And now I'm going to tell you more about why also I mentioned something like this. Because according to the Quran, the good deeds and the bad deeds will be placed on a scale. And God on Judgment Day is going to look at your good deeds and bad deeds on that scale. By the way, this definitely refutes actually what the scripture teaches in terms of God actually doesn't look at our sin. And God, technically speaking, is not going to care uh, to uh, be in the same presence with our sins. And uh, if you look basically at Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 13, it says the following. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. You see? Habakkuk is appealing to the Lord, and in verse 12 he's saying, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. You have ordained them as a judgment. Talking about the Assyrians who are coming now to judge the people. Okay, And you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You're using him as a tool against us. But you who are of purer eyes than to see evil. So he's appealing to God saying, now why, why do you want violent against us, Lord? You do not like to see sin. You do not like to see evil anyway, right? And cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? So, in other words, Habakkuk is saying, God, you are our rock. We trust in you. You can protect us. You do not like to see evil deeds. You do not like to see wrong. Why would you want, uh, you know, basically to allow this evil in your sight? Technically speaking, on Judgment Day, we can make the same appeal. How can God look at evil and decide, basically, if your evil is high on the scale or low on the scale, that maybe he's going to look the other way and say, okay, that's fine, you know, your, your bad deeds actually are not that bad. They're almost like 40% of everything you've done. So you still have 60% good deeds. Maybe I'll allow you into heaven. Or maybe I just want to burn you a little bit, you know, to purify some of your bad deeds. So this is basically what the Islamic theology is trying to teach. And that contradicts what the scripture are saying. Okay? Now... The other thing also, uh, here is where I get the passage about the good deeds, bad deeds, technically speaking. In chapter 21, verse 47 of the Quran, it says this, And we will set up a just balance. This is Allah speaking now. He's saying, I'm going to put a scale, a balance, where you weigh like groceries and stuff like that, okay? I will set up a just balance on the day of resurrection. This is a reference to the day of judgment, by the way, in Islam. So no soul shall be dealt with unjustly in the least. And though there be the weight of a grain of mustard seed, yet will we bring it. It doesn't matter how tiny of a deed you did, or how massive of a deed you did, both good or bad. And sufficient are we to take account. And we will definitely take it into consideration and make judgment according to what we are seeing. But here's a problem. Let me ask this simple question. Let's go back to the garden. How many bad deeds did Adam commit? I think the right answer would be one. He disobeyed. He ate from the tree that he was told not to. And what was the outcome? He was separated from God, kicked out of the presence of God. Let's think about this for a second. One bad deeds by Adam 
separated him from God, and God couldn't even look at that bad deed. Wouldn't have God basically, I mean, wouldn't have been easy for God to just forgive that one bad deed only? Just one. One bad deed. And he kept Adam with all of the other good deeds that he has been doing. We don't know how long Adam was in the, in the garden before he committed that bad deed. I'm sure he committed a lot of good deeds before that bad deed. Why did God only pick on that one bad deed and separated him immediately? This is my question to you, my Muslim friends. You are diluting your mind if you think that God is going to look at all of your good deeds, not just one, and somehow will overlook them and allow you into heaven. If he couldn't even surpass or even overlook the one bad deed of Adam, why would he overlook all of the bad deeds that you're committing. This is the challenge that I have for you. Well, my time is up, and my uh, prayer is for you that you will heed into this, and you will go to the Bible and read the work of God through the Gospels. And as always, you can always connect with us through our Facebook at alfadi.sira, C as in Charlie, C-I-R-A, or Sira International also page. You can also go and watch our videos at YouTube, uh, youtube.com forward slash Sierra International and most importantly go to our website www.sierrainternational.com until we meet again have a blessed day Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.